Hi everybody, how's it going? My name's Nate. Hi everyone, it's Maria. And this is Verbal Processing. We're back for another round and we're just chatting about Don Quixote. Uh, for anybody who's ever listened or uh, read Don Quixote, it's by uh, Miguel de Cervantes and it's a great book. And uh, I was just telling Maria about how silly it is, but essentially uh, Don Quixote is uh, a insane knight. He's just on this noble quest and how he gets to be insane is he reads a bunch of tales. He just has a large library of the tales of the most heroic knights ever yeah. and um, heroic people. And so he reads all these tales and he sells plots of his land to buy more books so he can read more tales. No, really? And he just, he's just, he, he becomes absolutely enthralled with the idea of being a knight. And, and that's how the whole story begins. And then he becomes a knight errant and goes on this, um, uh, I guess he calls it like an, an adventure of purpose. And so a he quest. gets, yeah, a quest, if you will. And then he gets uh, his sidekick, Sancho, who's just some poor lad that he kind of ropes into joining him and promises him uh, lands and, and gold and all that. But it honestly never comes along. <laughs> and, uh, but anyways, it's, it's a great book because um, Don Quixote rides around the countryside trying to find um, issues where there are none. But he tries to be the most noble he can be so and he's delusional because of these books so he's riding around on a donkey that he thinks is a horse and he thinks he's a knight but he's never being knighted and he has um armor that's been refashioned from other metal and uh potato sack like it's it's super funny and um sancho is just like this guy that joins along is always drunk because they get a lot of wine but that's uh, heartwarming that's it like, is that's it kinda is cute yeah and i think i i would love to if they make it made it a movie or they'd probably have to make it a, a few movies because it's such a long book but mm-hmm. it's uh it's a really great message just you know uh he's the greater fool essentially just yeah. uh somebody who keeps trying and trying again even though he, he gets beat up in every chapter yeah. and <laughs> by, by chapter like 10 he's got broken ribs and his like arms completely mangled and oh my god yeah. poor guy yeah but it's a good metaphor for life you know it'd be the greater fool be yeah. the person that's willing to try and try again um yeah and he's like he finds purpose and meaning in in his life and yeah tries, you know what i mean like he seeks for it which that's interesting because although what do you think about this because he's searching for meaning to solve problems that aren't there in the first place do you think sometimes we have to do that um yeah but also i think that's the caution in the book is um i think i think that's the cautionary it's a cautionary tale of of heroic um intent yeah you could say and and i'm not finished yet but i'm i'm far enough to know that he everywhere he goes he tries to find trouble yeah. And uh, he, he's not trying to be a bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's just delusional. And so he'll see um, a good example is a cart full of um, peasants that are going from one town to the next. And he sees uh, a bunch of men driving in one woman in or one woman in the, uh, the back of the cart. Yeah. So then he what he and it's just like a family. 
but yeah. he projects onto it that uh, it's a bunch of people kidnapping this oh, damsel okay, in distress. Okay. Gotcha. And he goes over there and he tries to save them. He gets in a sword battle and he gets injured, but he ends up killing somebody else. And, oh, okay. and she ends up, and the lady's just like, leave me alone. <laughs> I don't need, this is my These family. My you don't need to, you don't, what are you doing? And then he's like, I have saved you, fair maiden. And she's like, what is going on? So anyways, it's, but it's a cautionary tale because, and that and that I think is is the caution in the tale is is don't go finding trouble where there is none. Yeah. Um, but you know it's it's also I like that it's a super unclear book. Mm. Like you know the intent is more admirable than anything else, and then I think it also the the point is that you have to in your life you kind of have to be delusional to be really great at something. Mm, and yeah. to to become a legend you have to be so driven to the point where other people think you're mad which everybody does mm-hmm. in that book everybody thinks they're mad or uh, don quixote is mad um but he he's he's just he keeps trying and trying again yeah. and uh he he never stops um even though everybody tells him to <laughs> and uh so i'm excited to see how it ends i imagine it it it's I, I don't imagine it ends with sunshine and rainbows, but it, it, it'll be a, an interesting ending for sure. But, yeah, I imagine yeah. so. Yeah. I, I wonder if another like lesson at the end of the book is don't read too many stories. <laughs> that that could also be it is is know what's real and what's fake. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, that's interesting because I grew up reading a lot. Like I read a lot of books and I remember like going to the eye doctor and the eye doctor was saying to me like you need to stop reading your eyes are not like and now I wear contacts and I have really bad Mm -hmm. vision and I wonder if maybe it's because I read a lot as as a kid um probably also genetics but Mm -hmm. um I don't know I feel like it did me good yeah so yeah I don't know how he got delusional from reading so much yeah he's also an old man so i think oh. he maybe just got a little senile or something and yeah 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 but uh did yeah. you read a lot growing up no not really i mean i read when i had to and, and every once in a while i'd i'd pick up a book series that was popular but yeah um no nothing crazy i started reading after university and mm-hmm. uh because all the books i read in university were crap like i, I really mm-hmm. didn't like them and they were assigned i never liked being told to read something um and then i listened to a podcast with lennox lewis the famous canadian boxer and when he was retired when he retired he started doing two things a lot playing a lot of chess and reading a lot mm. and so i was like wow that's interesting so i and i was a i'm a fan of lennox, lennox lewis so i wouldn't say that i'm like a lennox lewis historian but i just think he's a cool guy so i was like oh maybe i should read a little bit more and i started reading but I started with the classics. So reading Dostoevsky, um, reading some Darwin and it's, and then I, I, the thing I find about the classics is they all reference each other. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, like when you read Hemingway, you can't just read one Hemingway book. Like you read, um, the old man in the sea and then you end up reading, um, for whom the bell tolls and, and it kind of snowballs like that. And, it's just, I, I liked it. I, I liked getting into it. And the more I read, the more I liked reading. And then I started playing chess as well. And I really got into the chess while I was playing like 20 games a day. Oh my God. And then, uh, yeah. And then about a year later, Queen's Gambit came out. 
yeah. And everybody was like, oh, teach me chess. <laughs> Which, uh, of course, I was happy to do, but that didn't last too long, I don't think. It was yeah. a bit of a phase. Yeah. Did you like the Queen's Gambit? Yeah. I thought it was good. Oh, okay. I couldn't get into it. I watched like one or two episodes yeah. and then I was done. Not for everybody. Um, yeah. A lot of the games in that show are real games that happen in real life and oh, they really? reenact them. Yeah. Mm. Um, but it's 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 just, it, it was pretty well done. I thought the acting was pretty good and it's an interesting story. It's an old book though. Oh, is it? Yeah. Based off of an old book? Yeah, one of those older stories that kind of was around for a while and then, yeah. and then all of a sudden it, it blew up. Just kind of like... Uh, the Hobbit, I think, was like 1930, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, it, like it was very old, and then it got its uh, got its its chance. And Game of Thrones too, I think, was around for a little while before mm. it got its big one. It makes you wonder how many things were out there, eh? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I read a few of the Game of Thrones books. I didn't finish the whole series because they're pretty heavy to read. Yeah. but I liked them. Like mm-hmm. the few, they were good. Um, that was a while, a few years ago, that I read that, but um. And then I kind of transitioned into nonfiction, mm-hmm. um, and then recently I read a few more fiction, and now I'm kind of back on the nonfiction train. Yeah. I try to go back and forth because I feel like I get bored of fiction because I want something a little more meatier to read. Mm-hmm. And then when I get deep in the nonfiction hole, then I lose that kind of joy of just like voraciously reading a book. Yeah, like reading it for a few hours at a time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to do that when you're reading like scientific literature or yeah, sometimes yeah it's just kind of a little too much to read so then once in a while i love a really good fiction book that i could just read for a few hours yeah when just I, cruise through yeah, yeah. be done in a couple of days and you're good to go yeah when mm-hmm. i was in mexico i took a few um books with me um i went for a week at the end of september i think it was um and one day i just spent all day reading a nicholas sparks novel on the beach i just started in the morning and i finished that evening it was that's phenomenal it was like the best day ever Mm -hmm. yeah that sounds really nice (laughs) like roasting in the sun (laughs) drinking a few pina coladas and reading all day wow that does sound really nice yeah yeah it's good to balance the the fiction and the non-fiction and i don't know um how many classics you you've been into but uh because you said you used to read a lot so i don't know how many of them overlap but i've found that more of the the books i read and maybe not so much the really intense ones like uh, crime and punishment or the idiot but um a lot of those great works of fiction are are the same meta stories just told in different ways Mm -hmm. and that's what i really like if i'm going to read a fiction book i I want the nice meta story like the stories that are retold many many times but just in different fashions um which i think are are really important and that's why something's like a great work of art is is when it it has the the story within the story Mm -hmm. like harry potter or yeah yeah and i think that's why people love it like that's why you know the classics are loved it's because it's something that's all with like a story that's within us and it's told in in a different way and then you can relate to it and yeah because um, we've all lived the, the stories that are told just in our life instead of in the characters' lives. Yeah. Yeah. I like a good a literary fiction novel as well. Um, there's some... I, I So I read a few Nicholas Sparks, um, and I don't know if you've ever read Nicholas Sparks. I but he so. They're like romance novels. Um, mm-hmm. So... I think that's why. Yeah, probably. <laughs> Um, nothing wrong with romance novels but well some of them are are trash but his are 
pretty good. The storylines are decent and stuff. So those are like nice beach reads. And then um, a few, I would say a year ago, I read A Thousand Splendid Sons by Khaled Hosseini. And uh, he's the same one who, he's the same author who wrote um, The Kite Runner. I don't know if you remember that one. I haven't read it, but I, I did hear of it. And um, I've had a few people recommend it. So I'll yeah, have to read it at some point. Yeah, it's phenomenal. He's a really great author. Um, and those are also like very uh, meaty books. Like they're mm-hmm. good to digest. And the stories are very jarring, but eye-opening. And, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's always good when you get a book that that opens your eyes. Like mm-hmm. uh and sometimes it can be not a long book either. The Old Man in the Sea is I think just over 100 pages. Oh yeah. It's like 115 pages something like that's really not that I big. I read that one. I cruised through it in a day or one or two days and then uh it but it was one of those books I just couldn't put down. Yeah. And it was it's a jarring like book though and and it's not and it's again, it's just an old man who's a little almost you you'd think delusional Mm -hmm. and it's but it's one of those books that you really have to think about for a long time afterwards you know it's while you're reading it you just get the sense that this is a great work of fiction yeah it's it's just one of those books like every time i read one you just know right away Mm -hmm. like wow this is really interesting but nothing really happens in that book really yeah nothing really happens and then you get back to the end and then he you know goes to bed and then it's in a new day and it's, that's it wow i'm so curious now can i borrow it yeah of course I wanna yeah read it. i'm sure you'd fly through it in a day but it yeah sometimes sometimes the big books are really great like don quixote's mm-hmm. a thousand pages yeah but, it's huge yeah but then you get books like um on liberty by john stuart mill it's also yeah. just over 100 pages i think and, you meant you were talking about that one at, on a previous podcast yeah yeah that one's really good yeah. I, I highly recommend that book to anybody. What I really like about a book, like a fiction book, a novel, um, is when I can, when I fall in love with a character. Mm-hmm. Like, I love a really good character. Yeah. And I think, like, what makes a good character is someone that you hate to love, almost. Yeah. Um, or you see, they're, they're evil in ways that you can kind of see yourself. Yeah they reflect like the negative aspect of being human but also you feel compassion for them yeah and you think that they're kind of genius i think that's what makes a really good character yeah i would agree i would agree it's really important to humanize characters i think Mm -hmm. um nobody likes it when the good guys always win Mm -hmm. it's it's a little too obvious yeah because I think it, it, the reason we don't like it is because it's not actually what we are. Like we recognize, or most people, unless you're a sociopath, you recognize um, the the evil parts of yourself. And mm-hmm. then, so to only have good parts in a character is boring and it's it's not you, I think. And people read to discover more about themselves, yeah. especially through fiction. Yeah, for sure. Everybody's got their, their, their good and their bad and it's... Yeah. It's good to read about it. I think it is. It, it, it lets you know you're not alone. You know, you can tell. Yeah, that's true. I was going to say, you can tell. If, I don't know if you can, but I can tell if a person reads. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah, yeah. you can just tell. It's all Vocabulary. The, and, vocabulary. Yeah. I think it's like a whole new world. And I, th- I think I would attribute, not that I want to say that I'm like super intelligent or anything, but like, you know, I, I did okay in school and I'm still in school and I'm doing mm-hmm. all right. And 
I think I attribute a lot of that to just reading a lot as growing up as a kid. Yeah. And I think part part of the reason why I now also love writing is because I recognize the power of uh, words and language and yeah, and writing is just thinking. That's really what it is. It's mm-hmm. just it's just structured thinking. It's so powerful if you can write mm-hmm. and you can formulate an opinion well. It's deadly. You you you're unstoppable if you can think mm-hmm. really well. And writing's really hard. It's not easy at all to write well. It's not. No. It's really not easy. And then to think that there's people on the receiving end that are reading your work. Mm. That's crazy to me. Like the fact that you can share something like the invention of writing and putting like words together on a piece of paper is just phenomenal. It literally allows you access to someone's thoughts Mm -hmm. at the convenience of your own time. Yeah. Which is so, so powerful. Yeah. And I think it started, I could be wrong about this, but I think it started off in a religious sense because they would write down prayers was some of the, um, earlier, like actual paper to pen kind of things. Um, and it, because they used to have to go to church to uh, read their prayers where there was only one Bible. Um, and then they started making like handheld books where they'd write their prayers down and you could take them with you home. So now all of a sudden you didn't just have to go to church to do your prayers and your um, citations and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But now you could take it home with you. Yeah, writing goes really far back. It goes yeah. farther back to Egyptians. The first person to write sign her name, I think, was Cleopatra. Oh, really? Or one of them, yeah. Uh, really far back, the first person to sign the name was definitely, as far as I'm aware, an Egyptian person. Yeah. And uh, it was a long, long time ago. And they would just use writing for arithmetic, like being mm-hmm. able to keep track of things. It's really important. Yeah. So and and uh, and it's it's amazing how that allows you to transcend time and space. And then mm-hmm. there's only been a few evolutions like that. Eh? When you really think about it, storytelling. So being mm-hmm. able to verbalize, so speech. Mm-hmm. Um, language is was or probably hand symbols but that's a form of language so we'll just yeah. say language was the first big one and then being able to um, transcend time and space with writing mm-hmm. so being able to well no I'd say speech language and then storytelling because that's a different form of conversation and then writing and then for a long time, there were only a few people who, that could write, and then you had, Scribes, right? yep, and then you had the uh, the Gutenberg press, mm-hmm. and so with the press, you could, everybody, could have in, access to information for very affordable uh, price, and then, ever since then, I would say the next big one was podcasting, mm. because and this is why, and I I never really thought about this. I was listening to another podcast, funny enough, and. Um, I can't remember who it was right now, so forgive me. But the whoever it was had a really good point. And the point was this. When the printing press happened, hundreds of thousands of people had to learn how to read and write. Sure, but once they did, they had access to information that those people historically never had infer- or access to before. Mm-hmm. right? And that's why it was so powerful. Because all of a sudden, people that were of a lower class could learn. Yeah, And that was huge. But what happened with podcasting is that it's not clear how many people can read and write. And it's not clear how much information is universal. And what I mean by it is like, yeah, you'll write a book in English. 
if it's the only book with that information written in English, only people that speak English can access that information, right? Mm -hmm. But with podcasting, so the point is, it's not clear how many people can read and write, but virtually everybody can listen. That's the key. And so how many people in the world do you think world third world countries can read and write? 50%? 60%? Yeah, I don't know. Even if it's 80%, 20% of people still can't. That's yeah. why podcasting is huge. Because I those people might not be able to read and write, but they, but they can, can listen. listen. Yeah. And so that's why that's huge. Wow, that's interesting. I, I never even really stopped to consider the the opportunities for education through podcasting. Yeah, it's hum, humongous. If you look at the statistics of the growth rate of podcasting, mm-hmm. it's not slowing down. It's get it's exponential every year. It just grows and grows and grows. Yeah. When did it really take off? Like, would you say four years ago, five years ago? Um. Well, yeah. Like, when I'm did not Joe entirely. Yeah, Joe Rogan wasn't the first one, though, for I sure. Think he was the first big one. Though. Well, yeah, he was the first big one. I or it depends on you to find big, but we'll mm-hmm. we'll say he was the first exponential podcast that just yeah. like blew up. Mm-hmm. And uh, I've been listening to Joe since my first year of PubLab, so twenty seventeen. Okay. So he probably and I started. You know, in the when he was in the like 500, 600s. Oh, wow. Okay. So he was already going for probably since like probably 2014 or 2013. Yeah. yeah. Somewhere around there. Wow. And he just started it. This, it's funny because you can watch his first podcast on YouTube and it's um it's got webcam and uh, they've got they're just sitting side by side, him and his buddy Brian Redband. Yeah. And they've got snow, the snowflake filter on, <laughs> and snowflakes are coming down. It's so tacky. I love it. And they and they're trying to mess around with the equipment. They're just like, "Why is it doing that? I don't know, bro. Try that." And there's, <laughs> it's very funny to watch, and uh, it's amazing to think that those guys with the snowflake filter, trying to mess around with the now, I don't know how how long later, but let's assume it's 2014. Yeah, that's eight years later basically because we're almost at 2022 mm-hmm. that uh that's and also that just speaks to stick to what you're working at yeah that's because and it you're it, starting with a snowflake filter <laughs> and that's not to say joe rogan didn't have a great start he had a uh, fear factor and ufc commentary mm-hmm. and all that stuff and he definitely earned it and uh i've listened to him try to articulate what happened to him because he still it seems is doesn't really understand what what yeah. it is that he's created. I, I like that about him though because you get an air of like humility when I listen to him yeah. in a way like he knows that he's great mm-hmm. but also he really doesn't know it I don't think. Yeah well I think he just likes doing what he's doing. Mm-hmm. I, I It's just like you and me like how many times we do we get in conversations where it's really just nice and you just love having the conversation yeah. that's why we do this just because we could have one person listen every week and it would be worth it because we just like having a, a formal way of sitting down and articulating our thoughts and yeah i i look forward to it it's always a good time yeah. and that's kind of brings it back to your early comment of um you can tell when somebody reads i was thinking yeah you can and i was thinking but you can not necessarily because of vocabulary i think i'll take that back you can because they're intellectual Mm-hmm. People that read like to read, and the reason they re- like to read is because they like ideas. Yeah, and they like and to learn. For people that are listening, 
don't know the difference. I in, Intellect is not the same thing as IQ. So I'm not trying to say that the people that read are smart per se. Mm-hmm. Because, and you know, you have to be a certain IQ to be able to read. But what I mean is that people that are intellectual, high in intellect, trait intellect, are people that like ideas. Like they like abstract ideas, mm-hmm. um, especially if they're high in openness and extroversion. Because then they're talkers. So, um, which is you and me. And so people that like to read, you can tell they like to read because they like talking about ideas. Mm-hmm. And there are people that will do the small talk, but it takes a couple minutes until you're talking about something big. And then those are the people you, you run into them at a party and they're like, hey, what's up? And then two hours later, you're finishing your conversation about black holes or something yeah. like that. <laughs> so and that's what I think Joe, Joe Rogan is. He's an intellect. He just yeah. loves ideas. And I, uh, I, I love the point you made about um people who read like to talk but i also think people who read like to talk about what they read i love chatting about what i'm reading about yeah and i often find like what i'm reading about is um greatly steering the majority of kind of my conversations with my coworkers, with Mm. you um with my family that kind of stuff like lately i've been really into psychology i'd say for the last year and a half or so and i've been reading um, I read Dr. Nicola Perez, How to Do the Work, and I'm reading, right mm-hmm. now I'm reading, um, The Body Sets the Score, uh, or sorry, The Body Keeps the Score. Yeah. Um, and I've read a few other ones, and it's, like, largely impacted my life in a really good way, um, but I kind of get through these, like, cycles of, I'll get into one topic and read a lot about it, and then I'll, I love to talk about it because yep. I'm gaining so much knowledge. And also, these books, like, just like the classics, a lot of them nowadays reference each other as well yeah they Um, do so then you start to be able to bridge ideas because you can see them do it Mm -hmm. that's what i love like when i'm reading one book and then they're referencing another book and then that book references the first book then you can visually and tangibly see how these authors connect and bridge ideas and it's really good to be able to learn from them it is because that's also i think a skill that takes practice yep and also the more you read the more you can call bullshit because you read so much and i don't know about you but sometimes you read something and you're like oh that's amazing and then two years later you'll be reading something else and you'll go huh that makes more sense Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying that what i read two years ago is wrong but maybe it is and this is a better argument but um yeah i also just want to clarify i I don't necessarily think if you don't read you're not an intellect so like i'm not trying to say that um all intellects are readers because there are people that love ideas that just love talking they Mm -hmm. just love conversation sure but But i would say that all but i would say that that most readers are intellects yeah, I would say so too. But I wouldn't know where someone who likes to talk about ideas and abstract thoughts and that kind of thing, like where they gain their content for talking about from. Mm, Maybe like they watch a lot of videos. There's, and there's, like... there's power in group wisdom. You you talk to you people that maybe aren't, and this is maybe just people that aren't as educated and maybe just don't have the, the faculty, the, the tools to uh, read and write. And so, um, and so I think that those people, um, might be intellectuals, but they just were never given the tools to do what they like to do. And so they can, they can talk and, and, and to say that because somebody doesn't read, they, they won't get information that's valuable. That's not true because the Bible is, 
a, a collection of huge huge wisdom and although it was written down those stories were oral stories for a long yeah. long time yeah i i just think it, like i'm just thinking like the people in my life i don't know really many great thinkers and abstract mm. sure maybe less creators. so now yeah maybe less so now yeah. because or maybe it's just like Canada is at the point where yeah. mostly everybody can read and write but yeah where i live in this part of the world but um yeah also there's a lot of people that i you know the, a lot of their information is from podcasts i would say a lot of what i talk about is also from podcasts sure so maybe it's like a good mixture of reading yeah. podcasting where else do i get my information there's some good accounts on Instagram, honestly, too. Yeah, it's. You have to be I'm, a I'm always careful, careful but about. Yeah. Yeah. Take it with a grain of salt, but I do find it interesting though because um, one thing that you just reminded me of is I was thinking the other day is with the education, um, or let me rephrase this. As the world becomes more globalized and um, third world countries begin to exit um, poverty mm -hmm. and, and you know, there's a lot of factors that go into that, like policing, birth control. But one of the big ones is education that allows people to leave poverty. But another big thing, this is the key, is we have a lot of problems right now at the world, but we've been operating until this point at half capacity. And as far as brain power goes, mm. because only half the world really, and I don't know the numbers, but let's say it's 50%. Yeah. Let's say for the past, I don't know, 60 years, 50% of the population has been at least high school educated. Mm -hmm. Okay. That's only operating at 50% brain power with the increasing rate of education in the world in third world countries and like Indonesia, um, a lot of places that historically haven't had the opportunity to read and, and write and learn mm -hmm. um and especially with women's education like I, I it always blows my mind that women weren't allowed to go to school in a lot of countries how dumb is that because you're effectively you're, you're effectively wasting half of your brain power yeah. it's so silly and so imagine all the problems we have right now in 30 years from now when all the kids that are finally getting the opportunities to read and write and learn mm -hmm. in third world countries and even in first world countries, just being able to that compound interest of yeah. information and knowledge. Uh, just imagine where we're going to be it's when in 30 years from now, let's say it's 70% of the world's contributing to the brain power. Mm -hmm. Like that's huge. Yeah. That's so, that's and, so crazy. That's, I think, a very hopeful thing to think about in in light of recent events like yeah. the you know the climate summit and stuff um obviously there's a lot that's going on that's not great right now but if yeah the potential for solving these problems is um multiplied by more and more people becoming educated then there's hope there there's is a lot of good hope there is hope and and what's the alternative you know mm -hmm. what's the alternative to hope to you, what it's over okay well just throw in the towel let's just call it that always we've talked about this before mm -hmm. that blows my mind it drives me crazy when people take the route of the um i don't even know what you what they're the calling it these fucked. days yeah the world the world's fucked yeah like i don't know and environmental catastrophists or whatever you want to call it like people that just 
say the world's doomsday done. Sayers. Doomsday sayers. That's the way to put it. Just all the doomsdayers drive me crazy. Yeah, I agree. And, and especially this one drives me up the wall is when doomsdayers say that, oh, we have too many people. Yeah. What are you getting at with that? Seriously, what are you getting at with that? It, we have too many people? Okay, so what? What's yeah, the answer? You just j- commit mass genocide and yeah. kill half the population? Is that the answer? No, that's not the answer. Mm-hmm. And it, that can't be the answer. We but there's never like an alternative. Like, it, it, you know what I mean? It's like people saying With doomsdayers? Yeah. yeah. Like when yeah. you try to start picking um, yeah. apart their stories, like... What is the alternative? They don't have one. No, right? they don't have one. Yeah. No. And and how about this? How about this? How about before we say the world's screwed, we have too many people, let's do something about it. Why don't we just say, let's just put all of our... And that's what this what COP is about. Like, I, like I'm not saying it's perfect. There's so many issues. Mm-hmm. But better and better every day. Mm-hmm. A lot of people don't know about Norman Borlaug and the Green Revolution. If that never happened, basically Norman Borlaug was a biologist that crossbred a bunch of crops like corn. Um, and he basically crossbred these crops so that they had more yield per unit, took less energy to grow and grew faster and were more pesticide resilient. And Norman Borlaug himself, just this one guy with that effort he did, reduced the amount of land needed to produce to produce agriculture by I, I i don't remember the number but i do remember the countries if norman borlaug did not do what he did to feed everybody in the world right now just in farmland we would need farmland the size of u.s canada alaska china and one other one let's say it's mexico all that land mass together just for farmland wow if he did not do what he did and he did it and because of norman borlaug he saved billions of lives and billions maybe even trillions of dollars and okay so what we're screwed no we're not that was one man right that was one man just give just give people the resources they need to do what needs to be done and stop with all the the and obviously the issues are way more complicated than we're talking about right now Mm -hmm. i'm not trying to say i have all the answers because i don't but I just think it saying the world's screwed before you give guys like Norman Borlaug the opportunities they need to make a real difference. Mm-hmm. It's it's not the it's not the answer. It can't be the answer because otherwise we just we might as well just throw in the towel now, man. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And that's no way, first of all, to live and to maintain any sort of mm-hmm. equilibrium. That yeah. is in this ecosystem. I'm not saying be naive, but I'm not. But I'm also mm-hmm. saying don't, don't throw in the towel. Give us a chance. Yeah. That's the one thing about hum- humans is we we always find a way. We do. Yeah, yeah, we've adapted so far, and I, I think like there. There is a lot of hope. There were some great things that came out of mm-hmm. the last recent summit. Um, we had lots of great, you know commitments made and whether that's actually going to happen is going to be interesting to see mm-hmm. um but i think we're on the right track and wouldn't it be a beautiful thing if we could have all the people and a healthy planet too yeah wouldn't that be great that'd be wonderful maybe that's quixotic but i don't think so 
We've solved a lot of issues. We've solved... We've Polio's gone. So many issues. <laughs> That's another thing is we've solved and and with all the compounding, like it's exponential how many problems we're solving. We're like, solving so many problems. And with all that brain power we just talked about, yeah. imagine how many more problems we're gonna we're solve. We're gonna solve them, yeah. I think so. I think mm-hmm. so. I think we're gonna have some real climate issues. I really do. Mm-hmm. But I'm I really don't think that's the end. I really think that um there's going to be a lot of serious challenges mm-hmm. and there's going to be a, a very serious reality to face. Yeah. But I think humans are resilient and when shit hits the fan, we pull it together. And yeah, we do. I think we, I think we tend to push our luck a lot, but that's why we've gotten to where we've gotten and it'll be interesting. We'll see. I don't yeah. know. I think we'll probably like, I mean, a lot of countries are already experiencing a lot of, climate um related stuff going on but i think it's gonna happen when our country is gonna start becoming really affected is when um third world countries are really affected and they they're fleeing their country i think that's when we're gonna start yeah. to become affected because well canada is to... blessed with so much land yeah I know. and land that's far away from and our immigration policy is phenomenal it's, it is <laughs> So, it's basically an open invite it's yeah. an open invite yeah, yeah and that's a story for another day but anyways yeah. i think that's when we're gonna really start being becoming affected i think so yeah i think so too but we have so much land like you look mm-hmm. at places like new brunswick mm-hmm. that there's so much land in new new brunswick and nobody uses it and, and that's great that's land. not even considering the prairies that's not even considering all of northern ontario which mm-hmm. is getting developed very quickly but mm-hmm. um you know, there's land. Canada's got a lot, and Russia. Between Canada and Russia, we could probably house most of the displaced people. Yeah. Not that Whether, I want to take on yeah. all those people. I'm not saying don't come, but also like, give us some, some time. Yeah. <laughs> Let us build some infrastructure. Yeah. Um, Unless you want to sit on the uh, 400 for, you know, 20 hours a day. I'm good. No. I'm all good. No thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, we've solved a lot of issues and there's hope for a better future. I'm yeah. not sure where we started this off. I'm trying to tie it back. Reading. Reading. It's just the power of education. And, mm-hmm. and you know, it. if you're not a reader, maybe podcasts are for you. But yeah. thinking about thinking about ideas and expanding your, your wheelhouse of information is always a good idea, I think. Yeah. And I think too, once you start reading, you develop like a taste for reading in a way. Yeah. Um. So if you if you're yourself not like big on books, you know, maybe read a few that you really like, and you might find yourself starting to want yeah. to read more. And hey, jump around. Like I know mm. I'm not saying this for everybody, but I I will have often two or three books on the go yeah. at a time. One fiction, one nonfiction, maybe a couple nonfiction. I don't know. Yeah. But it jump around, like read, and you don't have to read a lot either. If you read 10 pages a day, yeah, you can, you know, tackle a lot of pages in a year. So, uh, yeah. yeah, so they take it bit by bit or, you know, books are relatively inexpensive. So yeah. or go to the library or something. Yeah. Go if they're free at the library, yeah. go to the library. Yeah. It's also just like a great thing to do. I know you love to go to the cafe on a Saturday morning and just read for a bit. And yeah. It's like, a, it's a good hobby to have, I think. Also, it's a great way to stop staring at your phone. Yes. Absolutely. Put down your phone, leave it at home, go to a cafe, 
And I don't and know about you, but sit there for two hours and read a book, and you'll feel great. Yeah, absolutely. And I don't know about you, but I would rather eat a pair of jeans than read a Kindle. Yeah, I Kindle is. I cannot I do that. I don't understand it, but that's <laughs> for another time, probably. That's a rant right there. Probably, but, I, yeah. I'm, I'm about to get started. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, yeah, reading, good shit. Yeah, it is. It really is. All right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in. Um, I think that was a good one. Education is important. Say no to the doomsdayers. Yes. Yeah. Don't read on a Kindle. Or do if you want to. <laughs> do if you want to, but you're Don't weird. listen to me. <laughs> All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Take care. Good night.